Hello all, welcome back. I'm Aaron Wogelinter, and I'm here with my co-host, Rabbi Wogelinter, a.k.a. The Father. And this is Around the Shabbos Table. Don't worry, Shabbos was not desecrated in any way, shape, or form in the production of this show. As always, we are a production of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network. You can go check us out on intentionaljew.com. And now, come join us around the Shabbos table. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Around the Shabbos Table. Um, it's not a secret. We've been gone. We've been out, and uh, we're happy to be back. We're happy to be back for you, with you, and we're happy to be back together. It's um, just sitting here with the with the headphones on in front of the mic. It's like uh, going right back into something which I which, which you know we loved. We were doing great, and uh, it's really it's great to be back. We had it, it was basically it's a long summer, and uh, you know you were away and I was. Uh, we were, we were moving, moving cities, and um, moving houses, and it's just been then uh, Yontif and one thing after another, and we've been talking about oh we got to start up again, we got to start up again, and then now we we hit it, and it's great, and it's just uh, it's really wonderful to be back. Um, it's fascinating as I, I've you know been traveling the world, been all over, um, not the world, my world, from Israel to the U.S. <laughs> to the East Coast. Um, but it feels like the world. I've just, a lot of people I've met um, who've listened to our podcast, and, and it's just fun to hear um, what they really enjoy. I, I heard that people really enjoy the fact that it's, you know, it's um, candid, and we get to hear, um, we get to hear life and wisdom from life, but not in a sheer form, and not in a, not in as serious as it's usually presented, and sometimes that goes in, and people really enjoy it. And, uh, that was chizuk to me because you know I every part of the show I try to manage in a way that gives off a that gives off that feeling that we're sitting here we're schmoozing there's shimush we're just talking and uh, and and this is life and this is where this is where life can be and that's important um, so I, I appreciated those who gave me obviously who gave me the um, that feedback did you did you hear any any that, good that, feedback that's exactly the feedback that I hear that people just enjoy the fact that it's you know a father a son sitting and schmoozing. And, uh, and she was about, about important issues, and, um, and and trying to to find their way in those issues, and and take people along with them. It's a, I mean, I, I I found out that there are people that are listening on a regular basis. Right, it's just like <laughs> mind blowing to me. Um, it's a it's a crazy world. Even though, um, perhaps our numbers are not up there with Joe Rogan, where gazillions of people are listening, but. You know, we're we're putting this out, and people are actually listening on a, on a daily, a weekly basis, and that's chizuk. Um, and it's also um, it shows that that this is an important conversation, and we appreciate that you're you guys are being there with us and uh, coming along this journey. Just to add, if you do have ideas of things that we should talk about or topics, I'm sure you had a long summer as well and came up with lots of situations and things that you want to discuss. Um, email us, email us at uh, intentionaljew at gmail you can reach out to my father as well at RJ from LJ at AOL.com and just give a, give a topic, give an idea, and we can we can work it in. Um, if there's anything you want to hear more of, 
this is we're we're in the state of renewal. We're in the state of um, finding new things, and that's uh, it's important to have you guys along with this journey because we're doing this with you, not at you or not to you, but right. with you. Right. I think that's very important that we're not doing anything at. It's it's with, and I think that that there's also you know you hear things from other podcasts and you say I wonder what they would say about this, you know I wonder what uh, you know what, what 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 how you know and me me and Aaron would look at it. I think that that's right. Uh, you could send us a podcast as well or another right. conversation. And right. Well, what do you have to what do you have to comment about this particular thing? So, okay. So let's uh, let's get around the Shabbos table. And today I wanted to talk to you about something that's very close to us. Um, because we've seen it, we've seen it up front, we've been involved in it, and it, this topic, also is, uh, comes up and is highlighted quite um, intensely, don't have a better word, but it's highlighted as a value in, this, in these uh, first few parshias of the Torah. And that's the idea of, of Jewish outreach, the idea of teaching, teaching Torah, um, and specifically in a way to people who may not know or may not be involved and being able to do outreach for what, what, on the ideas and values that we have. So the issue I want to talk about is obviously with Avram Avinu, right? We see Avram Avinu, Abraham was the first monotheist and he lived in a world where people believed in idols and they didn't believe solely in Hashem. Avram figured this out on his own, and the Pasuk very clearly, along with Rashi, very clearly states, that he, he left with the souls that he created. What does it mean, the souls he created, says Rashi? Because he, he did outreach, and he was Megayer them. He converted them to sort monotheism. of to, to monotheism. And he did the men, and, and sorry, did the women. It was a full family, uh, family business here. Business in large quotations because we're going to talk about that. But he, um, this is what this is what he spent during his day. This is what he did. This is how he spent his time. He went or he taught people. Whether he went out or he stayed in, and he had a he had a place that was um, enabled people to learn. Okay, that's a question we'll discuss. But he was definitely involved. Worked with people to teach them about his newfound belief and his newfound understanding of of Hashem and of God. And as we relate to Avram Avinu, as every, all the Midot and all the Midos that we learn from him, we have to emulate. We have, he, this teaching us how to live our life. So Avram Avinu challenges us that what was he doing? Why was he doing that? And how can I apply that to my life? Does that mean that I too need to spend my time um, going out, passing out? I'm, being, I'm obviously being a little bit funny here, but passing out Chala and saying, are you Jewish? Is that what I need to do? Or is there other ways to fulfill this mitzvah? And, uh, and, and what was it? So I, I open it up to any direction you want to take it, but what was Avram Avinu doing? So a few things you have to establish. The first is, is that there is, a, there is a mitzvah in the Torah that I would like to talk about, but not now. Um, there, there, is, there are many mitzvahs in the Torah that, that are the sources for the obligation to, to, to be an example and to spread things to, to other people. But before we get there, you have to, I think your question is a very important question of what exactly was Avram Avinu doing? What was in his mind? What was his methodology? And, and what other methodologies were out there? And then, as, as we do with anything in the Torah, 
there's a way that Avram Avinu presents it, and then there is a way that that God turned it into a mitzvah for us and into, into something practical. So, so, what was he teaching? Let's start with there, because he wasn't teaching. He wasn't really teaching mitzvos. There were there were no mitzvos. He did keep he, mitzvos. He knew the mitzvos, but right. they weren't. But they weren't being mitzvos to teach. Right. They weren't being transmitted. So, so just as a simple thing, what he was teaching was he was teaching God. The matter says that he would he would he had a tent and he would bring people into his tent, and when he would bring them into the tent, so then he would say to them um, some version because there's a few different versions in the matters, but he would say some version of um, they, people would ask how much money it was to eat by him. And he would say, there was, it's no money. Um, all I ask is that you bless God at the end. And they, of course, had no idea what that was to bless God. And he would explain to them what it means to bless God. And they would, they would see all of the principles that he was laying down of what God is and, and of what a relationship with that God is. They would see it in him. Because he didn't have, he didn't have servants doing his stuff. He was doing everything vayorats. Vayorats, the cross on Everything was what was you know after the buckle rots. Everything was was Avram himself, and everybody who was working with him was working with him. They weren't doing it for him. And Avram Avinu was was there and involved completely with people, and they just were watching the personality. They were watching the the, the you know, they had the, this interaction with him, and that in itself was inspirational. And that's what helped teach the message, because he lived the message of monotheism. And, and that's what helped teach the methods of the method of monotheism. I think that in this discussion, you have to contrast him to Nayak. And as re, as you do every year, but it's correct without running Nayak down. I'm not. There's no. There's no reason to get into that discussion. But there's a difference because Nayak also was was teaching something, but Nayak was teaching something from the point of view of teaching something. Avram Avinu was letting people into his life, and the way Rav Dessler puts it, and others, the difference between. A shot of something, and of something spill a cleave that's spilling over. And Neich was giving a shot. He was giving an inoculation. He was taking a thing, and he was trying to trying to transmit it to you. Whereas Avram Avinu was just letting you into his life, and he was showing you that he was showing you his life. There is so the, it was less teaching. Avram Avram wasn't your formal uh, educator at the front, you know, formally teaching anybody. Or he didn't have classes on. God 101, or did he? He did, he did, but he had them not as classes. You know, he didn't put up a poster and said, you know, come to Abe's tent for uh, for a class on God. He was he was very one on one and very much. He was he was showing you, not instructing you. He was opening your eyes to what God is. So I would imagine that when Avram Avinu talked about t- talked about God, he wasn't saying this is what you have to believe in. He was saying what God was that. You know, our lives are so blessed and we have all of this and where does it all come from? It all comes from Hashem. And who runs the world? Hashem runs the world. And who, who's in charge of everything here? Who's the, you know, the, the, the head of this bias? All the stuff that, you know, that Avram Avinu came to is what he taught, but taught not as this is what you have to know, this is what I want you to know. This is the way I live my life. And this is what, and this is what a value, this is what a value is. And this is what, this is what something important is. And this is, and, 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 and I'm not just going to tell you, but I'm going to show it to you. That I know that I could go into a house any time of the day. The, the tent is open and was built this way. It was built with four sides so that I could get in there whenever I needed to get in there. And that no matter which direction I was coming from, I would be, I would be like caught up into, into this tent. So that in itself, knowing that you weren't there to make a business and that you were there 
really just for me, to give me a pillow, to give me a blanket, to give me a little a little solace and comfort, to 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 schmooze with me when I wanted to schmooze. When I when I realized that you were there, and that where did you get all that from? You got that from God. That was very inspirational to me. I would connect that to God because because that was what the way you explained to me why you do everything you do. And and that's what Tanawan. If this is this is the classic. Of that, that if that's what a God person does, then I want to be a God person. You have to shem lekachol. The question is: is why did he why did he position himself in that place to be able to to teach? Why didn't he just? So for Avram Avinu, it it was about it was about chesed and it was about a love of God. That he loved God so much that he wanted to make sure that everybody had the opportunity to be able to have that kind of connection and relationship with God. And Avram Avinu loved people that he only wanted to give to people. Part of giving to them is giving them the yashmias, giving them immaterial things, giving them food, giving them a place to sleep, but also giving them a, a, a spiritual basis, a sense of purpose in their lives. It was much less complicated because he wasn't, he wasn't teaching them mitzvos. He was, he was teaching them a, a, a sense of purpose, living life with a sense of purpose. In a sense, it was harder because he was up against... He was up against other belief system, which which could uh, potentially also give you some sort of meaning um, in your life. So it wasn't like perhaps in in modern times when we're fighting against nothing versus a spiritual existence, no spiritual existence, or very or, or not not one that you feel or, or engage with every day, and then a spiritual existence. But back then, the people were spiritual, and they were they were engaged in their spiritual side just through perhaps ways that weren't. Only through Hashem and through God. Right. So what was the difference between right, Maybe a person, it was harder. But, well, well, let's analyze that. What was the difference between a person who, um, who, who believed in Hashem and a person who believed in one of the one of Terech's idols? Just the, 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 the concept of Yachid, the concept of singularity, that Hashem is one. That his powers can be divvied up into other things. But they believed in the powers and believed that there was something else controlling the world. Correct. What was what was dictating your behavior and your your ethics, your morals? You were, and the correct. God, that, that's and, what comes and out. That's and a, God was a byproduct of the, of that. not not understanding and not knowing that there's an objective uh, right. an objective reality and an objective truth. So then, yeah, then it would be subjective, correct? So it's two very different two very different senses of um, of, of ethics and values. Two very different senses. One coming from one God driven. And and that's that's the math community. That's the difference between them. So it wasn't it wasn't that there was this spirituality or that spirituality. This spirituality carried with it a certain um, a certain care and concern for other people, a certain connection to other people. This could never have given birth to a stone. This could never have given birth to um, even to the world before it was destroyed. You know, the, the Avram's belief, whereas the the world's belief gave gave birth to that. It gave birth to murderers. It gave birth to to people who who were looking, who lived their lives very much for themselves, with their God, but very much for themselves, whereas Avram's life was a life of Chesed. And when it says Haron, I don't think it's just monotheists. I think that along with that monotheism came um, came people that were godly, which means that by definition they cared and worried about other people and lived their lives with with with, uh, with, with that in mind. And that's okay. I think that's huge. And so, and so that would be the um, to to make it practical. So we were looking at Avram, and we would say, so then the only the only real imperative you have to do 
to, to teach about God would be if you loved HaKadosh Baruch Hu so much, and if you loved people so much, the combination of the two would then birth teaching them. But and minus either one of those, there's no imperative to do, to do this kind of teaching? Correct. Correct. Unless you, were, unless you, were, you saw yourself as, um, as king of the world, and then it was self-serving to teach this, because that was the way people were going to serve you, which was not Avram Avinu's thing. Um, yeah, and, and I think that, that Avram, the, the whole chesed thing has to be understood very, very carefully. Avram Avinu wasn't looking at this, he, he wasn't looking at the world and the, the godliness of the world as being that if he, teaches, if he teaches the godliness, then at the end of the day, he's, you know, he sees everybody as really almost like a challenge to his godliness. So if, if I can neutralize you and bring you into my godliness, so then I'm able to keep my godliness better. Because he saw it like that? No, chas v'sham. He didn't. He didn't see it like that at all, and and that's why, you know, the, uh, I think whereas the, there was n- nothing lacking in his belief and in his and in his um, life, he wasn't trying to validate anything in himself. No, it was that is that this is reality, and reality. Everybody needs to be living in reality, but it's not about me. You see, by Chanoich that he separated himself, and that he lived. He lived life, and all of a sudden. Not there, right? He's not. Nano, he's not. Nano, yeah. Right? Why was he not there? Because he became a malach. He became a malach. So uh, he becomes a malach. Avram Avinu doesn't become a malach. Avram Avinu, who did ten times more than he did, why didn't he become a malach? Because it wasn't Avram Avinu's goal. His 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 Yiddish kite, and as his Avram Avinu kite, had nothing to do with with separating. He was separate from the rest of the world, but it wasn't about separating from the rest of the world. It was about trying to embrace the rest of the world and to bring it in. Chanoich's methodology was strengthening himself. You want to, you, you want to buy, you want to buy, but at the end of the day, if you're if you're going to be a threat to me, then I have to separate from you. I can't be near you. It's funny you say that because in in terms of Avram's outlook and worldview, we call him Avrama Ivri. Why was, was Ivri? He was over. He was on the other side. Avra Anar. He was on the other side. That's how he. That's how he sort of approached things. Was there's that side and there's this side. But now you're saying a little bit that there's he was clear with his definitions, but not afraid of engaging with. So I've always I don't know. I'm asking. Really. I've always understood that the Ivory was where he began his life. Oh, not where he necessarily ended his life. And if if it was where he ended his life, then he and all of his buddies, all the Nefesh Asu, they were also Ivrim. They also now were on the other side. We're right? on the other side. On the other side means not that I'm I'm separating myself from you, but you're separating yourself from me, and I'm not and I'm not following you. And as I'm doing my own thing, and I'm and I'm happy and comfortable and satisfied doing my own thing. Right. I, I'm okay with leaving. It's a little bit paradoxical. Like Avram as a whole is paradoxical for me because you have on the one hand there's. The every part where he's separate, but then okay, it's semantics how you separate. If I separate me from you, or you separate from from me, it's not semantics. It's very different. Okay, I believe it's semantics because okay. because at the end of the day, separation, separation. Like we saw with him, and we're back. Like I saw, <laughs> like I saw with him and Lot, because Lot it clearly says, "I can't be with you. We are done. I can't be with you. You he, can't be with me. I can't be with you." Parade? No, I'm 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 with you. He parade no me alai. The word he parade. Is is sem- semantically from the word pered, 
which is which is a mule. You've right. Our relationship is sterile. It's not going to go anywhere. My kids are not going to marry yours. Right. Yours are going to ma- not going to marry mine. And and he and he saw that. Why? In in a very simple sense, I don't know, because mm-hmm. because Avram, who is Osek so much in outreach and teaching and love for Akadosh Baruch Hu, and love for the, the the other person, which we said were the two the two reasons why he was dealt with this and was in this business at all. Then Lot, did he not love him, or did he not love Akadosh Baruch Hu? What was wrong? I don't know. I, I really don't know what happened with Lot. This week's Pasha. Avraham Avinu is looking for a shidduch, for Yitzchak. He says, don't go to the nice Canaan. But go back to my family. My family is Avdeh Zara. Why do you have to go specifically back to the to family? To his family. Because that part of the family had all Midos intact. Weren't religiously okay, but they had, and it wasn't that they had, they had stinky Midos, but they weren't missing fundamental pieces. Light was missing a fundamental piece. What are the three signs of a Jew? And when I ask this question, everybody who's listening should ask themselves, there are signs of a Jew? Was big nose, bad eyesight? And I mean, what's what are the signs of a Jew? You're going to get canceled. Be careful. Yeah, <laughs> careful, Dave. Um, <laughs> right. Rachmanim, Rachmanim, Bashanim, Gom Lechasadim. Lechasadim. So what was Avram Avinu or Gemel Chesed? Right. What was what was Avram Avinu? He's a Bashan. What was Avram Avinu? He was a Rachman. A Rachman was that he worried about other people, worried about the ramifications of what he's doing. He the, a Gomel Chesed takes care of you. But a Rachman worries about you. Light? What do I care? Let my, let my animals graze on, on another person's land. It's going to be mine anyway. He was 100% correct. It is going to be his. But it's not, it's not being a, a, a Merachim. It's not Rachmanus. In general, we also see that's the worldview of Sodom. They, the, 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 their way of dealing monetarily was the main issue of Sodom, let's call it. Their, their issue is that they were too boxed in. They were... They were too, they were living on this line that's like good or bad, evil or or good, and and mutter usher kind of thing, and it's mutter it's mutter, and they were living like right there, and that's exactly it's not a rachman. I'm not worried about if I live so close to the line, am I gonna pass it over, and am I gonna pass over and and affect you? Okay, so then that was right. low, and that's that he that, saw that you can't you can't live with that anymore. That's why the basic mitzvah was destroyed, because we we hamidu dinayim. That we, we were very tight on that line. And that we, we stuck to a line and there was no Rahmanas. There was no there was no looking at another person. There was no consideration of another person. That's why Lot gets kicked off the island. And and one second, did Avram Avinu was he right or not? Um You bet your Bob. How do I know he was right? Because what did God do to the descendants of Light? Well, you have Amoni, right? right. They, they can't come in because the, the Midos, right? Because they're missing Rachmanus. It wasn't Gemilus Chasadim that they were missing. It wasn't Bishonus. They, were, they had some, some Bishonus issues. But, but it wasn't Bishonus that was the thing that got them kicked out. The Torah says, what's the reason they get kicked out? What's the reason that, they, that, that you can't, Anaman and Moab can't come? Because they didn't give you water and bread when you left, the, when you traveled through the desert. That is so petty. 
I don't want these people in the Jewish people because they weren't nice to you when you were walking through the desert. It's petty. No. Sakharish so Baruch is pointing out the very thing that Avraham Avinu kicked them out on. That he's right. saying, what's the reason? Is because they showed their true colors. And their true colors are that they have no Rachmanas, can't be part of the Jewish people. That's why Avraham Avinu says, go back and get them because th- those people, they, they, they might, you know, they, they, they might be dishonest. They might be the most dishonest people. Arami, 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 it says three times. Right. right? Because they were they were uh, they were they were Ramoyim, they were tricksters. These were used car salesmen. These were these were not you know, these are these are really slinky. Talk to me about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these were really these are really slinky people. But but it, they weren't missing a fundamental. So so just to, to pull it back for a second, what we're saying is that even the person who has Avas, Avas Hashem and has Avas Yisrael and Avas Olam and wants to do Chesed, there's still a line, a place, a space where it can't be, you can't teach anymore. There's nothing to do. And we have to be discerning still um, between what's right and what's wrong. And I, I don't mean to make it super practical right away so fast, but like um, I think I think Rav Shlomo Kabach gets into this conversation a lot when you talk about doing outreach and reaching out to everyone without discerning the Midos and without discerning sort of where it's going to go down the road. Um, I think that that is part of this conversation. And on the other hand, some of the, some of the outlooks we have today where we're too discerning and we, and we, we say things that we, we sort of um, stunt growth and we don't allow because we're too discerning. So there's a balance, the perfect place to find, like Avram if he knew where he knew when you, when to be, Mikarev and when to bring close and when you need to make a when you may need to make a, a clear line in the sand where that you, you know we can't do ivory. this and you need to be an ivory so it's not so simple when even when you look at Avraham Avinu Asher Asu Bacharan Asa Nefesh Asher Asu Bacharan not so simple that he was um, taking every Tom Dick and Harry that came in and said let's go let's go let's go there was a discerning there was sort of a as we see within Avraham Avinu himself is that there was a discerning nature we had to have um, in order to do this properly, because not every meter was able to to be brought close or to be to deal with it. So that's fascinating. And then, but um, even as we, so, we, even if we take this more practical and say, okay, that was Avraham Avinu. So we see that on one hand, he had to he wanted to teach out of his love for God and love for the people, and he needed to be discerning. But so then, was this ever codified and never made into something an imperative for us to continue on like Avraham Avinu? Is only if you feel the same way he did. So. This is where it might be. It might be from my own personal vent and, and the way, you know, my bent and the, and the way that I see things. But I don't believe that Avraham Avinu turned this into an imperative. I think the proof is Yitzchak, because we say that all Yitzchak did was that he maintained that which his father did. He didn't take it any further. Um, Yitzchak wasn't an issue. What wasn't his his main meter was not Chesed, so he was being driven by by other things. He never did this, right? Even when he, even when he was well, in the, the world, wells, the wells uh, he uncovered he uncovered the wells of his father. So he was he was trying to maintain that which his father had done. But even from meaning the text, the narrative itself, he even when he was in the world and he went out um, and he went to 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 Lavan, he was never um, he was never teaching anything. He was go, he was learning on his own. He was doing his own thing. He was never right. Right, we don't see him. 
Yeah, we don't we don't we don't see that um, of him that he again because I don't think that Avram Avinu. Let's go back to Avram. I don't think Avram Avinu saw it as a as an a mitzvah. No, because it was it was his life, and and I think that later when we're going to discuss some some more practical, timely things, I think that that, that that's the that is the the key that it has to that that real um, outreach. If you, if you want to just keep that word, real outreach is coming from a place of absolute love. And that, 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 you, that you love God and that you love people. And, and therefore, it's not something that you're deciding to do. It's something that you live. Does it look... Uh, why, why are you against it being having been codified? Does it look different if it's, if it's uh, a mitzvah? Anything you codify has to be... You then have to have parameters to it. Because that's what a, that's what codification. But is. even Avram Avinu had parameters. Even when you're dealing with no parameter, there were still parameters. You're, and you're saying that because of what I said. That, because of Lot, right? That, right. That, that Lot, and also because of um, the fact that he was still in, he was in Ivri. That you're you're saying that the Ivri is was his whole life he was in Ivri, which means there were certain people that didn't buy his message. I don't. Know if there were people that he cut out. The only, the only. Well, no. I would assume that there would be there would be some like that also. But that's an assumption, not a not a source. Yeah. I, I, you know what? Let Let's plumb that for a second. When Avram Avinu said, "Are there fifty tzaddikim in stone, forty tzaddikim in stone?" Less man the public that there wasn't anybody, because who was the who was the best in stone? Lot. And if you look up Lot's, you know, if you look up the word tzaddik in dictionary, you're not going to see Lot's picture. So Lot, Lot wasn't, he wasn't a, a tzaddik. So Avram Avinu was asking for people that were less than, than Lot, which means that they were tzaddikim within the context of... Of Sodom. Of Sodom, not tzaddikim in the context of the world. And, and, and he was saying, would you save the world for that? So Avram Avinu, and, and, and Avram Avinu was really saying, let's save them. Which means that anybody that had any kind of potential, anybody that, that didn't ruin themselves, so that was the person that Avraham Avinu was, what his message would land on. It wasn't that he wanted to go after that person, but that was, he knew that the message would land. If you, if you can give me 50 um, stone tzaddikim, then I can, I can turn you over another 50, 50 righteous people. Because I can make them into, into your kind of righteous people. I can make a monotheist. Okay. Also, an assumption that that's what he was trying to do, but to, total assumption. But, 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 but not such an assumption in the sense that the, the, it's clear that that the, the reason why he was so successful was was coming from a place of absolute love. This was part of the chesed of Avram. The outreach was a chesed. Right. Right. I, I don't know. Without parameters, I don't know if anybody is on the level to do that, where we want to do chesed and love HaKadosh Baruch Hu so much, where it's pouring out from us. Um, if it were to stop here, then I would, I would have a massive question on why we engage as a, as a Jewish society. Why, why, why is this even part of our uh, you know, society to do outreach? Because it's so sensitive and so specific you have to what, love a Kaddish Baruch Hu so much right. in order that it's spilling. And you want to do chesed with somebody so much that their spiritual being and existence is so important to you that you want to, that you want to teach them something. 
that's a very, very lofty high level to be at. And I don't know if anybody, if, if we're holding there. Take any mitzvah in the Torah and you're going to find that there's, there are those kinds, of, those kinds of demands. That it has to come from a certain place. To be able to do this, it has to come from a certain place. We it doesn't involve someone else, though. That's, that's the difference, is tefillah, right? Even just the parameters of tefillah. You have to, you have, to have a pure mind. You, you know, when you're saying Shimon Esri, you have to think of every word. It, it's high demands, what we're, what we're demanded to do. The purity of heart that we're, that, that we're um, asked to have during Shimon Esri. It is, it's a big, but it's between you and God. And this is between you and God involving another person. And that's where it gets like, a little tricky here. What about staka? Staka is you have to give it. It's not really involving another person. If you give him staka and he uses it for cigarettes, uh, I'm not sure if you. D- I think you were makayim your mitzvah, unless you didn't do due diligence and figure out that this was a person. But if it was a mistake and he ended up using it for that, I, I think you did your your mitzvah of uh, of staka. Provided you did due diligence. Correct. But let's assume you did. Well, let's so. say you did. Um, because again, it's not involving, it's not really involving him. But maybe the mitzvah of, of Kirov, maybe the mitzvah is not really involving him. I think that's, I think that's the answer. That my Your imperative that you need to teach and you need to show people how to live, whether they do or don't, doesn't affect you. And I think that's a super, super important lesson from Avram Avinu. Yeah. I don't want you to take this any further right now. But, but, but that was something that was on my mind every, really every day in, I mean, it still is, in, in, in everything I do, that it's not really about whether you buy this, my job, and, and our chiyuv in this world is to lay the table. Is to lay the table, make it beautiful, make it delicious, and then whatever you come and take, you take. And what you don't take, you don't take. That doesn't affect my my job and what I've done. It doesn't validate or invalidate it. Right. And where do I? And where do we get this from? Look at the mitzvah teichacha. So mitzvah teichacha is that I have an obligation to be mochiach you. What happens if you if if you don't if you don't take it? So is it that that I, I continue to have a mitzvah teichacha, or or I now once again have that mitzvah teichacha? In other words, I have to be you because because you didn't take it. And at some point, when you show me that you're not going to take it, so then my mitzvah ends. I no longer have a tzivui because the tzivui is not to change you. The tzivui is that I don't tolerate what's happening and I do something to try to change it. Once I've, once I've done that, I've, I've fulfilled my mitzvah. If I'm mochiach you and, and you and you're ready to smack me back, so my mitzvah ends, because I'm a kind the mitzvah teichacha? Well, I hope I'm not on a limb well, I, I, <laughs> I don't think so, but... I think you're a the mitzvah teichacha. Okay, this is already like a halachic, uh, very specific discussion, but... I, 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 yeah. So, I think I think I'm not sure. We'll have to look into this. Maybe this will be part two here, just discussing some of the halachic codification of the mitzvah. Of, again, tocha is not a rent. You didn't pull that out of a hat for the for the listeners. Meaning, tocha is perhaps of part of outreach is 
you're seeing somebody doing an avera again and again and again, something something that's not um, within the conf- within you know the ratzon of Hashem. You have you have a mitzvah, you have an obligation to correct that. And just stop here for one second. The obligation to correct it is not. I, I say this very often in Shum when we talk about techacha, and the word rebuke. To me, the word rebuke in English sounds like the word puke. It's, a, <laughs> it's, it's such a nasty word, the word rebuke. Because you imagine rebuke, somebody standing on a soapbox, you know, sweating with, it, with an angry face on, screaming, you backsliding children, you better, you better repent. That's not the mitzvah techach. The mitzvah techach is being mechiach a person, is to, is to, to enlighten a person and to, and, to no, and to notify a person. But there's, there's two ways to do it. You can do it by talking to a person, letting them know they've done something wrong, or just by being an example, sitting in front of them and doing it the right way. Having a person over for Shabbos, and and them and them being inspired by what a Shabbos table looks like, and they, and they they realize the mistakes that they've been making without even identifying them as mistakes, but make changes in their lives to, to be to model their. I'm using Shabbos tables as an example, but to model their Shabbos table after your table. That is teichacha. That is the mitzvah of teichacha. Okay. Without ever saying to them, You're you should do a mistake. And without ever them acknowledging that they've made a mistake, and the reason that I'm doing that is because I love you, and I don't want to see you living in the dark, and I love Hashem. I don't want Hashem have to suffer with it, with watching his children living in the dark. I would love to know why we why we don't learn. I mean, that's a beautiful pshat, and I think that someone who loves people and loves the Kaddish Baruch Hu will look at the Torah and see that in, in rebuke, but. Society hasn't done that with rebuke. And rebuke is a we, big paddle. Yeah, we, we think it's a big paddle. We think it's the word rebuke must be you know, related to the word zealous. Correct. Right? To be, to and, be and really stolen by those, right? And that's, so like I wonder where, like socially, you know, like sort of that, that, that kind of study on why it's become different than this pshat. But this pshat answers a lot, and it's, be, it's a beautiful way of looking at the world and looking at people. Of course. Because we're we're not we're not filled with Avas Hashem, nor Avas. <laughs> not filled. Let me finish my sentence. Sorry, we're not, we're not filled with Avas Hazulas, with the love of other people. We're not filled with them, and therefore, and and we and we are filled. We are filled with a concern. I can't say love because we're we're, we're more messed up than that. But we we are filled with a concern for ourselves. And therefore, when I see you doing an Avera, who is the one that's suffering the most in that Avera? Myself, the watcher, right? I saw with my eyes once, and I've told you this story, but I saw once with my eyes a person who loved God and who, who felt the pain, the pain of seeing a Yid drive a car on a Shabbos. It was a Yid in, in, on Rehov Yermio in between Ezra's Torah and, uh, and Meisharim. And there was there was a group of kids that I, I think it was Pesach. It might have only been Yantif, but whatever, it was the same thing. And they were they, they were taking the barriers. And you know, when the street gets a little hot there, those barriers, those things can slide for miles. And they were they were they were taking them from the Meisharim side, and they were sliding them into the traffic as cars were driving through. So cars were hitting these things. Then the traffic stops, and they start screaming, Shabbos, 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 and the cops came. And from the, and there was, you know, pu- pushing and shoving, and, all, and then from the crowd of people, 
came a stone, high trajectory, came careening down, and and literally hit the cherry on top of the uh, of the cop car. It was actually a, uh, it was an army vehicle, whatever. But it, it hit it and choo, cops get in the car. They go. I mean, they came back later. Yeah, but it was like I'm sure it was that simple too. Yeah, but it was not. You know, this wasn't. The, 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 you know, just get out of here right now. And and it could be that I mean, this is forty years ago, so it could be the tactics have changed. But that's what that's what they did. And and it was you know it was seemed to have been such a victory, and and they were just they were, like like it was it was like. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to. Don't really, say Lavdil. No, <laughs> it's not Lavdil. It was. It was Bamish. It was. It was Bamish. Okay, good. And and it was totally unbelievable. But on the corner, there was a yid. Shalmi Garb, Mistrimer, and he was standing on the corner. And as the light changed, and and cars were were stacked up there, he was just saying with Mamish crying. Shabbos, Shabbos, Eden, it's the Halig of Shabbos, it's the Halig of Shabbos. Wasn't throwing any stones. Now, is it an effective method? No. But is it an expression? The tears, they were, it wasn't anger, it wasn't stone throwing. It was tears. It was pain, right? Over Hill Shabbos. Pain over Hill Shabbos. That it, it made such a profound impression on me that I have been talking about it as if it just happened for the past 40 years. Because it was it, it, it showed me what it looks like when a person loves Hashem. God and loves other Jews. Okay. So I, I say let's call it here and, and maybe we'll do a part two on We will do a part two on this sort of understanding our imperative today and, and how it's been codified and how it became a mitzvah and what the mitzvahs are all the different parts of that, um, we'll have that for you guys as well because I think it's important to know that this is not just for the professionals. As my father mentioned, is that you're sitting at your Shabbos meal and you have people. It doesn't matter their level of observance. It doesn't matter your level of observance. If you have a truth and you have a good and you love a Kaddish Baruch Hu and you want to teach that and you love people and you're doing it for their sake, then there's a mitzvah and there's something, there's, a, there's an imperative on you to do that. And that's, um, that I think is going to be part two. But so far today we discussed that these two nakudos and these two points of Avram Avinu, loving Kaddish Baruch and loving people, is what pushed him to do this. It was, it was logical to him that this is what, this is what we need to do because um, we need to show others what, because I love them and because I love Hashem. And I want to say a little bit from a Musr, a Musr way, that when a person has to look at themselves and say, why don't I feel this burn to, to try to, not to leave my job and to become a, you know, to, to, to work in... We're not talking about professional, right. Not professional, but why don't I, why don't, when I, when I work in a, in a workplace and I'm constantly coming across other Jews, what, why is not my first thought of, wow, what an opportunity to be able to expose them to beauty, not to make them religious, but to expose them to the beauty of Judaism. And, and for many people, it is their first thought, but for many people, it's not. What am I missing if that doesn't motivate me? If I don't walk into a room of Jews and say, "Wow, what can I do to to to, to you know, inspire them a little bit about Yiddishkeit?" and if that's not burning in me, then what's missing? Is it my love for them? Is it my love for God? Is it both? What's missing? And I think that that was today's that was today's conversation. I think that's really important. It's I definitely want to, good to be back. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I want to, I want to plumb also. 
Um, the concept of a, of a cure of professional, I, I think right. that it's important to talk about. Sort of like we, you know, sorry to cut you, but we always say there are certain concepts in Judaism that were stolen, um, like important tenets of Jewish faith that, and, and Jewish living that have been stolen by certain sects of Judaism, whereas you have Mashiach by the Lubavitch, um, Eretz Yisrael by the Zionists, Torah learning by the Haredi population. And we have, I, I think this also, I think outreach and loving people and loving Hashem by the, I'm sorry guys, cure of professionals, because I think that it's been commercialized. All these things have been commercialized and branded as these types. And really, everyone's got to learn Torah. And really, everyone's got to do outreach. And really, everyone's got to love Eretz Yisrael. And everyone's got to sing Mashiach, 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 because those are basic tenets of Jewish faith. Jewish living, Jewish life, Jewish philosophy. So this is just yet another one that's been stolen and hijacked, and we have to bring it back to show that... that to normative Judaism. To normative Judaism. And every person, even right. without a, a professional degree in this, they need to love Eretz Yisrael, love, want Mashiach, pine for Mashiach, and, uh, and, and love to help others understand the truths that they have in outreach. Right. Remember, you've got to love Eretz Yisrael to be at Sioni. But you don't have to. You, you don't have to be a see, I need to be a yid, right? <laughs> Everybody has to. So, I, I think that's like that's part of part two. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss those things. As well. Okay, that's the challenge. It's good to be back.